Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your day podcast for the big storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, January 9th. It's the final week before the year's first major. That's right, folks. The 2024 Australian Open, it's right around the corner. So, of course, we here at Crack Rackets are ready to help all of you listeners prepare for the year's first major. We have so much fun preview content planned out over the course of the next week to help all of you listeners get ready. It will be featured across our various content platforms, whether it's this podcast, the Great Shot podcast feed, or over on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel on today's show to help all of you listeners get ready. I want to break down this week's action on the calendar. We've got four tour-level events, Australian Open qualifying rounds already underway. Of course, a couple of challengers to keep an eye on as well. So plenty of tennis to keep us occupied in the meantime as we prepare for the start of the year's first major on today's show. I want to set the scene at each of these events. On the women's side, you've already had three top 15 players be eliminated in Adelaide. Krejcikova, Haddad Maya, Samson all dropping their first round matches. Of course, you still got three other top 15ers in play. Elena Rabakina electing to play this week, despite the fact that she won a title in week number one. Now, it probably helps that this week's Adelaide event is a 500-level event, more points offered to the winner than perhaps some of the other things on the calendar later in the year. But... Again, Rabakina won a 500 last week. Anyways, I'm not doubting her decision. We'll see her in action in the round of 16. Her and Jessica Pagula, the top two seeds. You've also got Yelena Ostapenko and other top 20 players in Veronica Kudermatova, Daria Kasakina, Caroline Garcia, Ekaterina Alexandrova, all in action this week in Adelaide. Plenty of other fun names for us to discuss as well. In Hobart, got a bunch of top 50 players littered throughout the course of the draw. Players like Elisa Mertens, Emma Navarro, Ju Lin, Marie Bozhkova, who it feels like we see make a living at the 250 level. Emma Navarro in particular, why not take this opportunity, earn some tour-level points, knowing how many points are going to fall off your resume throughout every portion of the calendar, given how active she is in playing events. She is a top-two seed this week in Hobart. Crazy to say about someone who it feels like has been a part of tour-level action for maybe six months, but speaks to the success she's already had. And again, Mertens, Navarro, Julin, Boschkova, and others all playing in Hobart. We'll set the scene there. Run you through each of those tour-level draws on the women's side. Of course, want to talk about the men's action as well, where no, you don't have any top 10 players, but you still got five top 25 players alive. Certainly look 
looking forward to the debut of Tommy Paul. Ben Shelton looking to bounce back after he got the tough first match draw against Roman Safulin last week. Nicolas Yari, Cam Nori, Lorenzo Musetti, the other top 25 players in action. They're all split between Adelaide and Auckland, where, again, guys like FAA, Sebi Corda, Arthur Fee, the rising Sebastian Ofner. He may be 27, but he's a name you're going to have to get to know throughout the course of this year, probably at a more intimate level than you ever had before. Again, so many players in action trying to consolidate their positions or gain some confidence heading into the year's first major. Let's set the scene at all of those events. Run you through the first two days of Australian Open qualifying action as well. What are any notable results you need to know about? I'll try to filter through them for all of you listeners here today and then again look at those challengers. Before we wrap the show, of course, I thank you as always to all of you listeners for tuning in day in, day out. It's why I find it so important for us to make sure we have appropriate preview content. Yes, it's the first major. We only have a week and a half, maybe a week and one match to go on, really, if you're trying to provide this preview content in an appropriate schedule. But doesn't mean you don't deserve it. A lot of exciting tennis ahead. You should be prepared from every possible angle. It's our job to do that here at Cracked Rackets. We appreciate you trusting us to do so. We also appreciate the trust we get from our friends at Tennis Point. I'll keep it simple. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. All right, let's get into this week's tour-level action. Strongest field belongs to the WTA event in Adelaide, so that's where I'm going to start. As I alluded to, three top 15 players already eliminated. Two of those losses were three sets, and certainly if you're Ludmilla Samsonova, disappointing start to her season gets blitzed by Mira Andreeva in match number one of the year, this time a three-set exit, so it's improvement, but 6-7-6-4-6-4, she falls to Laura Siegemann. Now, Siegemann, obviously some confidence after clinching the United Cup in the mixed doubles rubber with Sasha Zverev. And there really is something to confidence, momentum translating from the doubles court onto the singles court, or just tennis in general. Such a mental-based sport for Siegemann to get over that threshold, bring a championship home in a match-clinching scenario, fight off match points in doing so. It's going to lead to a big singles result. This uh, singles result, excuse me, this feels like a honeymoon sort of period off of that United Cup sort of win. Again, tough start to Samsonova's season, but a very impressive win for Laura Siegemann, who, yes, obviously top doubles player in the world, She's fighting for a top 100 life with the win up nine spots to number 80 in the live rankings. Just keeps her in the mix, obviously, going into the indoor hardcourt Europe stuff in February where a surface she's well-suited to have success. So big victory for her. Big victory for the always dangerous Anastasia Pavlichenkova, who had to come through qualifying just to get into the main draw here. She gets a 3-4 and four win over Beatrice Haddad-Maya. I liked what I saw from Haddad-Maya in United Cup. You know, Pavlachenkova can just strike the cover of, off the ball. She can play top 50 tennis, make Haddad Maya uncomfortable and be decisive enough to do that with frequency enough to get Haddad Maya stretch where she's good, not great. Not a terrible loss for Haddad Maya. I'm feeling fine if I'm her heading into Australia. Good win for Pavlachenkova to, head, to gain some confidence again. She tries to regain uh, her top 50 position. Right now she's up eight spots, 51 as a result of her victory. So on the precipice of doing just that. The last upset... Glass half full, Anna Kalinskaya, another qualifier into this event. She's just been really good over the course of the past few weeks. Wins Midland at the end of last season, made the final the week before in Tampico. Gets a win over Bernard Pera, who 
earlier this week, uh, excuse me, who earned an upset victory herself, or not an upset, but beat Paula Bedosa this week in Adelaide and obviously has shown some pretty good form. So that's a good win for Kalinskaya. Two and one there. Then the one and six loss to a very much inform Azarenka. Again, she comes through qualifying, drops just five games in qualifying. Now this three-set win for her over Krejcikova. She's clearly back to playing her best tennis after a long injury layoff. And with the victory, Kalinskaya back up uh, to number, excuse me, uh, 20, no, not that's not, nope, that's Kalanina, excuse me, 75, leave it in, Westoff, it's a quick error, 75, she's back up to in the rankings, again, has a lot of room for growth given the injury miss last year, and just again, given some of the ups and downs in her level of late, has found that top level once again, and Kalinskaya is still just 25 years old, again, I think there's a top 50 spot for her, so powerful off of both wings, that's the glass half full, glass half empty, as I know it's early in the season, but it's just another weird one for Krutchikova, who, you know, wins San Diego, makes the final in Zhengzhou, I guess, round-robin Zhuhai gets, uh, loses to Kasakina there, first match loss to Kalinskaya, three sets, I don't know, again, it was how weird her North American stretch was, here's the thing, she was really good to end last year, and this is her first match of the season, so I don't even want to make the glass half empty argument that full-heartedly, but uh, it's a weird one, certainly one Krejcikova would have liked to win just to get some confidence going in, but credit to the qualifier, Kalinskaya, again, she's playing her best tennis. Uh, once again, two-start this year seems to have carried over that level from last season. Those were the big upsets. Some good matches elsewhere, just to rapid-fire through the early rounds. I guess Pliskova getting knocked out 2-1. and one. She has so many points to defend this first month of the season, and for what it's worth, has already fallen to 37 in the live rankings, down 24 spots on the week. Uh, she gets knocked out. She was up two love in the opening set. She drops 12 of the next 13. Sinyakova knocks her out two and one. Now, Sinyakova played some really good ball quietly down the season's home stretch. Quarterfinals Ningbo, finals Hong Kong, titles at Nanchang. Now, again, that's a lot of 250 success, but here in Adelaide, wins over Wang Yafan, Bernarda Pera, now Karolina Pliskova as well. A very winnable match in the round of 16 against Pavlichenkova. Obviously, it was announced that her, Krejcikova, aren't going to play doubles together this year, and they've been world number one together for so long. You take that off the mantle, there's just more time to focus on the singles. The 27-year-old's back up to 40 in the live rankings, 17 off her career high. She's just got real weapons, and she is springier than you remember in and out of corners in applying those weapons. Now, a little slap-happy in her corners, but she gets to those corners and in and out of them so well can absolutely make a top 35 push and perhaps surpass that career high ranking. Maybe not top 15 ever, but make a top 30 push for sure. Could be in the cards for her this year. And this 2-1 and one win is certainly a good way for another qualifier to start her week. Back to reality, I suppose, slightly for Katie Bolter. So good in the United Cup beating Pagula. Qualifies into this event. Good win over Ashlyn Kruger in doing so. Knocked out first round by Anna Bogdan. Kasakina straight sets over Claire Liu. Ostapenko three sets over Kirstea. Garcia pushed, but from a breakdown, good to see her come back. 6-3 in the third over the wild card, Tyla Preston. Good win for Kostyuk over Kalanina, Townsend, Kudermatova, Alexandrova, and then Christina Buxa, the upset 3-3 three and three over Jasmine Paolini, your other round one winners. You know, looking at this draw in Adelaide moving forward, obviously, all looking forward. I want to see Jessica Pagula bounce back after, 
you know, again, just a weird loss. She doesn't lose matches like the one she did to Katie Bolter. Her round one opponent, the always tricky, big swinging lefty Bernardo Pera. Pagula 1-0 in the head-to-head. I'm excited, though, to see her get pushed. She's the favorite right now, 34.9% to win the event, according to Tennis Abstract. Rabakina right behind her at 34.6. She'll kick off the tournament against Christina Buxa assuming she doesn't withdraw beforehand. Your other round two matchups, all fun. Alexandrova, Kudermatova, winner plays probably Rabakina. You like power tennis? How about Ostapenko versus Garcia? You like just seeing all the shots employed? Kostyuk versus lucky loser Taylor Townsend, who got a win over qualifier Alexandra Sasnovich. Townsend continuing to consolidate her top 100 spot. She's at 72 in the rankings. Her versus Kostyuk, that's a really fun match. Sigmund Bogdan. Massive opportunity for both Kalinskaya, Kasatkina, Pavlachenkova, Sinyakova, and then again, Bernardo Pera, Jessica Pagula. It's week two. The Australian Open's next week. Those could all be round two or further matches at the Australian Open. If we get Rabakina, Sabalenka, and Pagula, Rabakina, all within the first two weeks of the 2024 season, maybe we are in for something really special this year. Again, that's all assuming Rabakina plays, but for now, Pagula, 34.9%. Rabakina, 34.6%. Big drop-off after that to Daria Kasakita at 6.5%. That's what the Adelaide draw looks like on the women's side. On the men's side in Adelaide, pretty excited for the field that we see in place. Certainly to have players like Tommy Paul making his debut. To have Nicolas Yari, Lorenzo Musetti, three top 25ers in action. Sebastian Baez was in action. Obviously, he got knocked out early. We'll get to him in a second. But quality draw. Again, to start the year, and Tommy will kick things off against the qualifier, Alex Bolt, who earned a 3-2 and two win over Tiago Sabathfield, the lucky loser, in round number one. Upset on paper was that Seb Baez loss, but I think it's just indicative of what's to come. And the most impressive player I've seen on the men's side so far this week that would offer a week two overreaction, dare I say, Jack Draper is finishing the year in the top 25. Jack Draper might be one of the 15 best players in the world already. Jack Draper might be in that mix for a top eight spot if everything breaks correctly. Like him and Arthur Fee are going to be knocking on the door of tier one prospect status by the end of this season. He dominated Sebi Baez one in three, didn't face a break point, out physicaled him whenever the rally required it, moves the ball so well into the outer thirds, drives through his backhand so consistently, can drive it line, moves con- confident moving forward, good mover in and out of the corners as well. It's just been an issue of health for the 21-year-old. Or what is he now? Is he 22 now? Yeah, he's 22 after December. The just-turned-22-year-old who right now is outside the top 50, I would guarantee if he's healthy, he plays a full schedule, he is finishing inside the top 50. He's currently sitting at 70 in the live rankings. That's way too low for Jack Draper, who's got a round two matchup against Miamir Kesmenovic, who earned a good 4-2 win over Mackie McDonald. He's in a make-or-break year. What's Kesmenovic's ceiling? Is he floats around top 50 guy, or is he consistent top 25 guy with how solid he is everywhere? Draper can match his consistency, and I would argue his serve, his forehand are the two biggest weapons as well. That's the scariest part about a Jack Draper. He can, in my opinion, already match the consistency of just about anyone and usually his serve, his forehand, will be the two biggest weapons on the court as well. So I think Draper's going to get a shot out of Tommy Paul early in. Draper beats Tommy now. Every, he's going to be everyone's dark horse pick to make a run to the second week. He shouldn't be a dark horse. He should just be a pick to do that, depending on how the draw breaks out. Again, Draper really impressive in delivering that upset. The other name 
Upset maybe only in name only, Alexander Shevchenko, who has now established himself as a top 50 player, 7-6-4-6-7-5 over Tomas Martin Echeverry, the sixth seed in round one. Two hours, 56 minutes. This match was exceptional. Ball striking from the baseline elite, the physicality, what is required of a top 50 player right now in the men's game. Again, it's a little bit hard for Echeverry to manufacture angles for himself as well on hard courts as he does on clay, but... He's pretty good everywhere. Shevchenko just... Shevchenko's a baller. Shevchenko, I hate to use the expression of the kids again, but he's got that dog in him. He just knows how to be one shot better than you. He's never out of the fight. He's going to let you hear his and feel his energy. I'm a big Shevchenko guy. I don't know how high his ceiling is, but he belongs in the top 50. Like That guy is just a competitor, and he's got sneaky spring off everything he does, even if the technique isn't the most aesthetically pleasing. He's through to round two. He's got a very winnable match against wildcard Chris O'Connor. Got a 4-4 four four win over qualifier Arthur Rinderkanesh. He impressed me quite a bit. Again, the five and six seeds, the only ones eliminated thus far, but we haven't seen one through four play. Your other round one matches will rapid fire through them. Jordan Thompson, good follow-up from last week. Straight sets over Diaz Costa. Evans, Dan Evans, good win three and four over Rinky Hijikata. Bublik, a straight set winner. That's all I ever want to spend on a Bublik match. Sanego, really fun match. He wins 7-6 in the third, 11-9 in the third. Both guys fighting off match points to get there. Over Yannick Hoffman, good win for the Italian, who I thought looked good, even if his United Cup results weren't always there. Lajevic. Arnaldi and Yuri Lachetchka, your other winners. Lachetchka knocking out dear friend of the program, former Tennessee All-American Adam Walton. Walton has the athleticism. It's generating pace, shot in, shot out. He's just not accustomed to having to do it. Otherwise, you face the onslaught of the weaponry of a Yuri Lachetchka. Lachetchka just hit him off the court. Was never in doubt. But again, keep your eye on that name moving forward. That said, some fun second rounders. Again, I mentioned Kesmanovic versus Draper. That's a good one. How does Dan Evans in the one-handed backhand have handled the pace of Sasha Bublik? That one might be fun. Korda versus Sinego, in on that. And then I'm watching every Matteo Arnaldi match I can right now. He is a fascinating prospect because his floor is really, really high. And I'm just not sure what the ceiling is yet, what the weapon he's going to have to produce at an elite level to get elite results. He's going to face someone with elite weaponry in Nicolas Yari in round two. Right now, Tommy Paul, the favor, 22.1%. After that, Tennis Abstract agrees with me. Jack Draper, 13.4%. Korda, 117 Then a drop off to the 8.8% of Nicolas Yari. Still, it's a fun draw in Adelaide for a week before a major, and obviously I'll have more updates for that event uh, on that event for all of you listeners throughout the course of this week. Next up comes Hobart, our event uh, featuring, I'm fine, with the plethora, dare I say, of top 40 players in action. Lisa Mertens, your top seed. Emma Navarro, your second seed. Each of them earning victories in round one for Mertens. Very impressive. Two and three over Danielle Collins. She just had Collins stretched in the outer thirds. And yeah, when Collins was in the center of the court, she had the bigger weapons. She looked good at times. She just was never on rhythm. And that was a credit to Elisa Mertens. Good round one victory for Emma Navarro. Grinds her way to his 4-6-6-3-6-3 win over a prospect. Obviously, obviously, excuse me, I'm very high on in Clara Burrell. And look, Navarro made semifinals last week. She gets another 250 win here this week. That makes up even in her first two weeks of the season for a lot of ITF results littered throughout her calendar from last year. And so every win is a good win at the tour level for Navarro in terms of consolidating her position. Clara Burrell can ball as well. Good win for Navarro. Uh, you look on the seeded side, no seeds upset in round number one. 
It's the first time in a long time I've seen that happen uh, in any event, let alone an event in week number two. Uh, you look at how the seeds performed. Ju Lin back on the winner's scoreboard. She's got a lot of points to defend. Obviously had that win over Sakari in Australia last year. Uh, beats Lucia Bronzetti in round number one. Fourth seeded Wang Xinyu, the righty. Uh, 6-3 in the third over Lydia Gadasecki. Fifth seeded Marie Boshkova. Sixth seeded so- Sonia Kennan. Both impressive in straight set victories. Kennan in particular. Minnan just didn't have a weapon to hurt her. And when Kennan's feet are set, God, does she still strike the ball so beautifully. Eighth seeded Vavara Gracheva. 7-5 in the third. That's a good win over Peyton Stearns. And then your seventh seed withdrew. So ninth seeded Tatiana Maria, who did so much winning last summer. She gets a win after Podoroska, unfortunately, forced to withdraw. Looking at round number two, again, some fun matchups. I would say the highlights of them, Boshkova versus Putenseva, who I think was down a set. And yeah, she was down six love, I think 4-1. Ultimately, love six, seven, five, seven, six victory for the qualifier. Putenseva going to do what she's going to do. Her versus Boshkova screams two and a half hours. Uh, Navarro going to play Magdalena Freak. Ju Lin taking on Caroline Dalahide. Good win for the new arrival to the top 50. Dalahide one and four over Maya Sharif. Her weapons are real. How how consistent can she be with them? Again, a big victory for her. She doesn't have many despite the final in Guadalajara. So it's a good step for Caroline Dalahide. Going to get a real test. She's 2-1 and one against Julin for what it's worth. So keep your eye on that one. And then how about Yuan Yua? Three-set win over Sloane Stevens. She'll take on fellow Chinese uh, countrywoman Wang Xinyu. Uh, right now you look at the tennis abstract singles forecast. Elisa Mertens, 20.7% favorite. Bojkova, 14-7. Navarro, 13-1. Julin 9-4, Wang Xinyu 8-7, Sonia Kennan 8-1. So yeah, Merton's at 20.7. That sounds like a heavy favorite. It's pretty narrow across the board, though, after that. Again, a lot of similar level players here, all trying to consolidate top 50 spots, all for whom a 250, even the week before a slam, very much worth playing. Keep our eye on that Hobart action as we continue to proceed throughout the course of the rest of the week. And then, of course, last but not least, on the tour side of things, you look at the action in Auckland. Certainly some notable results in the sense that we saw the return of Denis Shapovalov. Shapovalov, a 4-2 and two loss to Sebastian Ofner. Now, Ofner has played 96 matches. 96! Emma Navarro-esque since the start of last year between challengers, ATP tour-level results. He's now finds himself at a new career high, 37 in the live rankings. He's made four tour-level quarterfinals during that stretch. He was just too physical and too consistent. He The depth with which he was returning Shapovalov served. Shapovalov just found that ball peppered at his feet, and he couldn't find any rhythm. And so it was always Ofner acting decisive whenever Shapo pops something up. Ofner so unpredictable with that forehand, yet when he has time to hit it, he does extend through it so well. Sepp Ofner's just a top 50 player. Denis Shapovalov's not right now. Everything looked out of sorts. Footwork perspective for serve percentage. Even the serve looked a little less explosive than usual. You just saw a lot of doubt within Denis Shapovalov. How could there not be? He hasn't played since Wimbledon, and even before that, it was so hot and cold. It's a big year for Shapo. He's entering his mid-20s. Again, the excuse of youth only lasts for so long. Ofner, big victory there in round number one. Again, your only seed to get knocked out thus far. Chris Eubanks, 6-2 and two by Botik Bandesenskop, and it was tough for the Americans overall. Mickelson, Giron, Eubanks, J.J. Wolf, all suffering first-round exits. I don't think there was a single American. In fact, there was not who won an opening round match uh, in this event. Now, obviously, you still got top seed Ben Shelton alive, so... America's hopes persists in Ben once again, but tough opening in Auckland for the American men. Obviously, 
again, Alex Mickelson, match point opportunities. He gets knocked out. Love 6 7 6 6 3 by dear friend of the program, Nuno Borges. Striking the ball is not the problem. Again, it's the physicality that's just not, that piece isn't where it needs to be quite yet for Mickelson to hit his ceiling. For J.J. Wolf, I thought he was hitting the backhand really well. I was surprised to see Luca Van Asche beat him 4-2, and two, but that's a really good win for the Frenchman who is looking to make a top 50, pu- uh, top 50 push and prove his ceilings a little higher than I think. Again, your round one winners, Van Asche, Tabilo, Van de Sinschkulp, Altmaier, Borges, Arthur Fee, 3-4 and four over Richard Gasquet. Gasquet out of the top 100 for the first time. I think him and Rafa are both out of the top 100 for the first time since like 03, 04. It's been a long time since neither of those names have been in the mix. Purcell, Taro Daniel, Alexander Muller, your other round one winners alongside of Carbeas Bena, 4-3 and three over Roberto Bautista. That's just not a match RBA loses as recently as two years ago. The depth, it's just the weaponry. It's just not quite there anymore for RBA, but good win for RCB. Good win for Fabian Marazan as well. 6 4 6 7 7 6 over Gael Monfi. Those were two top 50 players. That, that You didn't see a dip from Monfi. That was a testament to Marazan's level. Again, I thought he played well. I thought Gael played well. Marazan just down a break late in the third. Had had chops, breaks Monfi back, and comes back and wins the match in a breaker. It was really fun tennis. Fabian Marazan is here to stay. His win over Alcaraz might be flash in the pan in terms of elite level stuff, but he's got top 50 weapons. He's very steady as well. I know the technique's a little out in front, a little handsy, but liked what I saw from the Hungarian as he moves into round number two. And again, he's going to take on Ben Shelton in round two. That's a fun match. Shelton 1-0 in the career head-to-head, but again, a little easier than... Roman Sefulin, but Marzan can play and he absorbs pace really well in that backhand wing. So that's a tough test for Shelton. Cam Nori, a tough test. He's going to take on Luca Van Asher. That match, two plus hours written all over it. You like shot making. How about FA versus Daniel Eltmeyer? Big serves, big forehands. That'll be fun. Nuno Borges taking on Arthur Fee. Again, can Borges handle the totality of Fee's athleticism? It's a good test for him. A lot of good matches uh, littered throughout this one. And as of right now, it's actually Felix still holding out hope. He's the favorite, 24.3%. Even with Arthur Fee in his quarter of the draw, Felix is the favorite. Then Shelton, 19.5. Sarundolo, 10.3. Nori, 10.1. Arthur Fee, 8.7. After that, that's a fun draw. I'm going to be locked into Auckland. You should be as well. We'll keep you updated on that throughout the course of the week. Last but not least, let's talk qualies at the Australian Open. And we'll have Damian Kust on the show after it finishes to offer you bigger uh, picture recaps, but let's talk Aussie Open qualities, and then let's talk their three challengers on the calendar this week. On the women's side, as you look through the day one, day two results, you definitely had some seeds knocked out uh, on the lower end of things. Uh, a loss from Hrunsakova, the 28 seed, 3-2. and two. Kornieva, former top junior in the world, 7-5 and the third over Sasha Vickery. I don't know how surprising that Kornieva loss is. Catherine Sabov, 4-4 four over Emiliana Arango. Sabov's always had talent. I don't know how that's shocking that is from the uh, from the Canadian either. Kirkov over Stefanini. Okay, that one's a little bit shocking from a seed being upset perspective. But those were all of your seeds upset. I really only think two of them were weird. And your winners, Balik, Valinets, Golfi, all winners on the day. Rebecca Pedersen, Julia Riera, the Argentinian, who we saw have some success in week one. She gets a big round one victory. Brenda Fruvertova advancing. I'm, I'm not surprised by that one. I don't think you should be either. 
Day one, pretty unsurprising. On day two, you look at the upsets. Pagosi knocked out 6-11 in the third by Abduramova. That one was surprising for the number six seed. Freedsome knocked out in a third set by Gabriela Knutson, but former Syracuse All-Star has been really good in her return to pro tennis, so that one didn't surprise me. Sramkova knocked out 6-1 in the third by Fiona Farrow. That's a former top 75 player in the world. That one doesn't surprise me too much either. Uh, again, uh, like I feel pretty nothing too shocking on the women's side that I think required urgent attention that needed an emergency pod for any of you listeners. I would say the same thing on the men's side. Yeah, Juan Manuel Sarundolo, Benoit Pair both knocked out early, but Benoit gonna Benoit and Sarundolo on hard court still a little bit of fish out of water. Kimmer Copenhans, former junior French Open champion, six two in the third win over sixteenth seeded Diego Torante. Not shocked by that. Not shocked by Emilio Nava. Six and four over the talented Dardari, the young Italian. Nava's got real weapons, and he's always been at his best on hard courts. Other than that, seeds like Nardi, Diallo, Bergs, all earning victories in their round one qualifying matches. Day one, pretty steady on the men's side. Day number two, good win for Oliver Crawford, former Florida All-American, now representing Great Britain, 6-1-3 over Ilya Ivashka. Passaro in straight sets over six-seeded Pedro Martinez. A little bit surprising, but Pedro's never been his best on the hard courts. Alves, 1-3 over Michael Moe. Okay, that's a shocking one. Dino Prismic over the 18th-seeded Navone. You guys know how high I am on the young uh, Croatian Dino Prismic. Radu Elbot knocked out by Napolitano. Okay, that one's a little bit surprising. Other upset I guess I have to talk about, other than the Michael Moe one. That one is a shock. One in three is Michael Moe should never lose a hard-court match, particularly a qualifying match one in three. Diego Schwartzman, outside of the top 100, playing slam qualifying for the first time, I think, since like 2014. Six and four loss to Dennis Kudla. Schwartzman's going to have to play challengers, barring him getting wild cards into events. He's going to have to play challengers to build back up his rankings. He's just not a top 100 player right now. That's a good win for Kudla, but again, it's just a reminder. Sometimes the end, him, RBA, like that generation of players. I did a podcast on this in December. Windows kind of closed on them to be the best of the best in the world. This new generation is here to stay. Of course, if they go and play challengers, there were three options available this week. 17-year-old Joe Fonseca, uh, the University of Virginia recruit, junior U.S. Open champion. He earns a win at the challenger level. He's into round number two. The favorite there, former Stanford player Tristan. Kristen Boyer, 18.8% for the number four seed after that. Renzo Olivo, the fifth seed. Your next favorite, Gianluca Major, the Italian, 11.5% after that. That's the challenger in Buenos Aires. In Portugal, your favorite is Max Kaznikowski, finalist last week. He, uh, I believe, is through to the round of 16. 25.1% favorite after that. It's third seeded Joe Sosa, 13.1%. Leandro Redi, 11.1%. Top seed Alejandro Morocan. All the way down at 7.4%. So, again, can Kaznikowski capitalize on the run? The, uh, what, I think he is 20 years old. The 20 year old from Poland certainly having a career start to the 2024 season. And then, last but not least, how about Nanthaburi? Some fun ones across the board. You've got Arthur Ferry, former Stanford standout. He's into round of 16. He's the favorite right now, 20%. He could still come back to Stanford if he wants. If he wins this challenger, I would assume he's not. Brandon Holt, 13.4%. Dennis Novak, the top seed, 16.6%. Coleman Wong, the rising teenager, fifth seed, 11%. A name to watch if you haven't already. But some fun veterans. Uh, Tennis Sandgren in this one as well. Val Vastro, former A&M All-American. 
Oregon in the draw. So for the college nerds, Nanthaburi is the challenger to keep an eye on this weekend, as well as, by the way, the start of the college tennis season, which we will cover at depth over on the Great Shot podcast feed. So if you're looking for that sort of content, uh, be on the lookout for that podcast feed specifically and make sure you go subscribe. But that's your look at, again, the final warm-up week before the year's first major begins. Now we will have Australian Open specific preview content throughout the course of this week for you listeners as well. So be on the lookout for all that to drop over the next couple of days. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who is back with us and who as always has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out and thank you to him. A shout out and thank you as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for the fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Bruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.